Hello, everyone. This is Ryan, one half of the titular wrestling purists. You'll hear this little intro before each one of the lost episodes. So before this podcast was started, I got my break into podcasting in 2020 with a podcast called Podcast World Order, also known as PWO. Jeff was known on their show as the resident wrestling purist. On their YouTube channel, I would have a weekly show called Referee's Discretion that turned into the ref bump with Jeff, which then turned back into Referee's Discretion, but this time with Jeff. Uh, shortly after that, I decided to leave PWO to start the Wrestling Purist with Jeff. So I owe the name of the Wrestling Purist to Jeff and my break into podcasting to the guys at PWO. Thank you, everyone, for the support. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Check out the Wrestling Purist on all social media at WPPod1. That's WPPOD1. And I hope you enjoy some of my early work as a reviewer. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Referee's Discretion. My name is Cod Sinclair, and today we are taking a look at WWF Survivor Series 1990 taking place November 22nd from Hartford, Connecticut. This show is most known for the debut of the gobbledygooker. That's right. Whom, who am I kidding? Um, he does debut on the show, but this is um, most notable uh, for the first appearance of The Undertaker. Um, and jumping right into the show, uh, Vince McMahon gives us the rundown of all the Survivor Series teams and their respective captains and members. Gorilla Monsoon welcomes us to the event. Um, Gorilla says that in addition to the matches announced, there will be a grand finale match of survival where the surviving members will be in one match. He also reminds us to not forget about the huge Brontosaurus egg, uh, as he so eloquently put it, uh, that will hatch later tonight. Um, Rowdy Roddy Piper, also on commentary this evening, adds in that the event is being aired over the Armed Forces Network, and we have the fake Howard Finkel on announcing duties for the evening. So our opening contest for this show, we have the Perfect Team, which is Captain Mr. Perfect, um, with Demolition, Axe, Smash, and Crush at this point. Um, they're all being accompanied by Bobby Heenan and Mr. Fuji as they take on the Warriors, uh, led by Team Captain and current WWF Heavyweight Champion, uh, the Ultimate Warrior, the current Intercontinental Champion, the Texas Tornado, and Hawk and Animal, the Legion of Doom. Animal and Smash start, and all of the faces are getting their punches in. They're all getting their spots. Uh, suplex from Smash, and then Perfect tags in. Perfect tags Smash back in. He goes off the ropes and right into an Animal Power Slam. Perfect tries to intervene, but gets Atomic dropped from all the faces. Animal tags in Tornado, and Smash immediately drags him to the corner to tag in Axe. Tornado gets the claw locked in and then tags in Warrior. Warrior with a couple of shoulder tackles, a big splash from Warrior, and he eliminates Axe, and Warrior has a one-member advantage. 
Warrior now getting his spot in, uh, scoop slamming the remaining members of the heel team, but Crush gets the jump on him early. Crush the legal man lands a knee to the chest from the top rope and a near fall. Mr. Perfect is getting very frustrated at this point. Uh, Hawk and Mr. Perfect are the legal men now. Perfect getting thrown around the ring until he avoids a spear from Hawk in the corner and Hawk hits the ring post. Team Perfect taking their turns, getting their shots in on Hawk. Then Hawk connects with a shoulder tackle to smash. Hawk to the top rope now hits a flying clothesline. Out of nowhere, a brawl ensues between the Legions of Doom and Demolition. They won't get out of the ring. The ref is trying to get them out. Um, they won't leave, so the referee disqualifies them. Uh, so that leaves two uh, for Team Warrior and then one for Team Perfect. Warrior and Mr. Perfect now, but Mr. Perfect wants Texas Tornado instead, so he gets tagged in. Tornado lands a spinning right hand to send Perfect out of the ring. He gets brought back in and thrown out the other side of the ring. Warrior throws him back in. Uh, then he throws Bobby Heenan over the guardrail. Perfect gets the upper hand when Texas Tornado runs himself into the ring post. Perfect runs Tornado's head into the exposed turnbuckle. It's a perfect plex and eliminates him. So now we are down to Mr. Perfect and the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, Mr. Perfect hits his perfect plex, uh, but Ultimate Warrior kicks out. Perfect with a pretty looking dropkick here and another near fall. We see Warrior hulking up now. Multiple running clotheslines from Warrior, followed by a shoulder tackle. And a big splash for the win. So your sole survivor for this match is just the Ultimate Warrior. I'm going to give this a one and a half count. I thought this was a pretty good opening match. Um, I wasn't a fan of the big brawl elimination. Um, it is a way to cut the match time down um, and saves credibility for uh, both tag teams going down the line because they would be feuding for about the next six months. Um... But it was definitely clear uh, that the Warrior Peace is all survivor um, at this point. They're not going to bury their world champion um, right out of the gate here. Um, unfortunately, though, it did come at Mr. Perfect's expense. All right, John Mooney is backstage with the Million Dollar Team. Uh, we'll get into those members in just a second. Um, but Mooney asks about the mystery partner of their team, and Ted DiBiase responds, says he's here, and that everybody will be surprised. He finishes by saying that only the strong will survive. And here we are to this match now, um, as we get the Dream Team, which is captained by Dusty Rhodes, um, also members of the team Coco Beware, and the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil Nightheart, who are your current uh, World Tag Team Champions, facing the Million Dollar Team, captained by Ted DiBiase. Also part of his team is Rhythm and Blues, which is the Honky Tonk Man and Greg Valentine, and the mystery member of the team. Um, starting from the introductions, though, the Dusty theme always gives me chills, especially when the crowd pops as loud as they do. Um, commentary does make note here, as the Hart Foundation are making their way out to the ring, um, about how strong Bret Hart is um, as his brother Dean uh, tragically passed away the day before that this show took place. Um, so we get all the faces out. We get the heel team out. DiBiase grabs a mic, and he introduces his mystery partner, being accompanied by Brother Love, 
from Death Valley. It is The Undertaker. The crowd, um, what I can only imagine is stunned silence at this point. Um, you know, they may have seen him in WCW's Mean Mark Callis, um, but here he is, and he actually starts the match against Bret Hart. Um, uh, Bret off the ropes, and Undertaker immediately connects with a modified chokeslam. And it seems like they all try and get their shots in here to try and uh, take out The Undertaker. You have Jim Danville, Nightheart, who tries to shoulder tackle The Undertaker and fails. He tries again, and Undertaker actually catches him and power slams him. Um, Coco is in next. Uh, Taker immediately grabs him, tombstones him, and eliminates him. So the Million Dollar Dream team... Um, excuse me, the Million Dollar Team <laughs> um, is already up one member. Brett giving some of his best right hands to Undertaker, though. Uh, Valentine tags himself in, and Brett tags in Dusty Rhodes. They have a brief chop battle. Dusty gets the upper hand and tags in Nightheart. He works the arm for a bit, tags Brett back in. Valentine gets the knees up, drags Brett to their corner, and tags in the Honky Tonk Man. Brett running the ropes catches a knee from Honky Tonk Man. While Honky is dancing and playing to the crowd, Brett tags in Nightheart, hits a power slam, and eliminates him. So now we are down to three members apiece. DiBiase gaining the advantage, jumping right in on Nightheart, um, but he gives away the upper hand shortly thereafter. Dusty in, and the crowd is losing their minds as he is giving Ted DiBiase right hands in the corner. Dusty with a drop kick, and then tags Nightheart back in. Nightheart off the ropes, connects with a shoulder tackle. He goes for it again. Virgil trips and grabs his feet. DiBiase catches him with a clothesline and gets the pin. Uh, that leaves uh, DiBiase's team up one member. And that is something that you'll also see as we kind of go through this card, is that... Um, is that there are unconventional victories um, as far as eliminations go. Um, as, as we just saw, clotheslines, um, we get shoulder tackles, all of that good stuff. Um, but Brett is in now, DiBiase immediately cowering in the corner, begging for mercy. Dusty in now, giving DiBiase all the right hands. DiBiase tags in The Undertaker, uh, who gets some shots in on Dusty Rhodes, uh, but he tags Brett back in. Taker choking Brett in the corner, tags in Valentine, then he tags in DiBiase, um, who connects with an atomic drop. Um, Taker eventually gets back in. Dusty is also now the legal man at this point. Taker's up to the top rope, connects with a double axe handle, and eliminates Dusty Rhodes. Um, that is a two-person advantage um, for Ted DiBiase's Million Dollar Team. Um, they are immediately strapping a rocket to this man's back. Um, if you were in 1990 and you saw this behemoth of a man come in and just eliminate Coco Beware with, with, just, with just ease, and then eliminates the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, and is dominating the likes of Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil Nightheart, that is you investing your stock into a into a character into a superstar, um, so he looks incredible up to this point. 
Valentine and Brett working in the ring when we see Brother Love on the outside putting the boots to Dusty Rhodes. Taker following Dusty up the ramp, beating him up on the way. The bell rings out of nowhere saying that The Undertaker has been counted out, so he has been eliminated. So now DiBiase's team only has a one-member advantage. Um, I don't fully understand why, though, The Undertaker was eliminated. Because he tagged in uh, Greg Valentine before jumping off of the apron. Um, But anyway, coming back to the ring from that, Valentine going for a figure four, but Brett quickly rolls him up and eliminates him. So our last people standing, our last individual standing, uh, Ted DiBiase and Brett the Hitman Hart. Brett connects with an atomic drop that sends DiBiase rolling out of the ring. He then follows him outside with a springboard crossbody. Both men back into the ring. Brett with a few European uppercuts looking pretty stiff. Uh, DiBiase whips him into the turnbuckle chest first. DiBiase whips him into the turnbuckle again, this time expecting to execute a back body drop. Uh, But Brett doesn't ricochet out. Instead, he gets a near fall on a backslide. DiBiase drops down, and Brett trips over him. So now we have Bret Hart selling a knee injury. Um, as soon as DiBiase turns his back, we see that Bret Hart's playing possum. Um, tries to roll him up, but only gets a near fall. Virgil, Virgil, Virgil on the apron now, holding Bret back. DiBiase knocks Virgil off the apron on accident. Brett connects with a backbreaker, then an elbow drop from the second rope. Brett off of the ropes now, hits a crossbody. DiBiase rolls through using Brett's momentum and steals the victory, leaving DiBiase as the sole survivor. I'm giving this a two count. This is a really good match. Um, I love the final matchup between Brett and DiBiase, um, especially of two big name guys. And they're on on opposite sides, one-on-one. They're fighting essentially to win for their team still, even though at this point it's the sole survivor to go to the grand finale main event. Um, I didn't still, I don't, I didn't understand Undertaker's elimination. If you know why, and there's some obscure early 1990s rule that I just don't know, um, leave it in the comments below. Um... But, at the end of the day, Undertaker looks like an unstoppable force, so he did his job in selling his character. Um, also, DiBiase just looking like a top heel in the company at this point, which is what he was. Um, so, we'll see where this takes us. Mean Gene, now, with the Vipers in the showers, saying that they're going to take on the Visionaries this evening. Um Jake the Snake Roberts sporting a white-colored eye here as Rick Martel blinded him with his cologne arrogance. Um, Mean Gene asked Jake about there being a lot of individual agendas on their team, um, but he said the only thing they are concerned about is being the sole survivors. Leading directly into this match, we have the Visionaries, which is team captain the model Rick Martel, the Warlord, and Power and Glory, Hercules and Paul Roma, they are being accompanied by Slick, uh, taking on the team of the Vipers. Uh, you have your team captain, Jake the Snake Roberts, 
The Rockers, consisting of Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, and Jimmy Superfly Snooka. Jannetty and Warlord starting. Uh, Jannetty trying to use his speed game early, uh, avoiding some Warlord offense. Um, he eventually traps him in a corner, but Jannetty escapes easily and lands a drop kick. A second drop kick attempt sends Jannetty to the mat. Jannetty uh, tags in Shawn Michaels, and finally, with some double team action, they get Warlord on his back. Warlord tags in Rick Martel, but Michaels is an absolute house of fire. Uh, tags in Jake, though, shortly thereafter, um, but Martel wants no part of it. Bails out and tags in Roma. Jake getting some offense, then tags in Snooka. Roma tags in Hercules, and Snooka dispatches of him with a chop to the chest. Warlord back in. Snooka tries a crossbody off the ropes, but gets caught and is hit with a big power slam. Janetti back in. He goes for a crossbody from the second rope. Warlord catches him, hits a power slam, and eliminates him. So the Visionaries now have a one-member advantage. Shawn Michaels in now. He hits a Hurricane Rana and tags in Jake. Uh, Jake gets whipped into the corner, but comes out with a huge clothesline. He tags... Shawn Michaels back in, goes for the pin, and gets pressed out of the ring. Why didn't Jake just go for the pin right there? It makes you seem really silly. And you have commentary at one point trying to sell the fact that it was his bad eye. Um, I don't understand how you can see to connect with moves like a clothesline and not somehow roll or flounder onto the mat to cover your opponent. Anyway... Um, Shawn Michaels takes a beating from all of the heels for a little bit. Um, Martel going for a spear in the corner and hits the ring post instead. Michaels tags in Jimmy Snooker and he gets to work immediately on Rick Martel. Shoulder tackle off the ropes from Snooker only gets him a near fall. Snooker goes for a cross body off the second rope and a la Ted DiBiase, Martel uses his momentum to roll through and eliminate Jimmy Snooker. So now the Visionaries have a two-member advantage. Jake immediately comes in and Martel tags in Hercules. Jake calling for DDT, but Hercules bails out of the ring quick. Martel gets a cheap shot in on Jake while Roma gets the tag. He goes for a flying punch off the top rope and misses. Jake makes the hot tag to Shawn Michaels. Michaels with an elbow drop from the second rope for a near fall. Roma off the ropes and Hercules tags himself in, but we would eventually see all of the heels get their shot in. A powerplex from Power and Glory would eliminate Shawn Michaels. So now it is the Visionaries, all four members, um, against Jake the Snake Roberts. The Warlord is back in and gets Jake the Snake Roberts in a bear hug. Jake gets out and punches Roma off the apron. The ref would be distracted with them for a brief second uh, while Jake hits a DDT. Um, taking advantage of this situation, Rick Martel grabs his cologne arrogance again. Uh, Jake rolls off and grabs Damien. Martel books it to the locker room, um, and Jake follows. Um, because Jake the Snake Roberts is the legal man, he gets counted out. And that is the end of this match. Uh, this would be the first time in Survivor Series history to this point uh, that a whole team uh, swept uh, their opponents. So your sole survivors are 
the are the visionaries, uh, Rick Martel, the Warlord, Hercules, and Paul Roma. Um, I'm giving this a one and a half count. Um, I, I love the story between Jake Roberts and Rick Martel. Um, the sweep by the visionaries builds them up for the grand finale at the end of the evening. Um, other than that, this was, um, you know, I'm not a fan of Hercules. Um, we'll get to that a little later when I review the grand finale. Um, but honestly, you know, just great teamwork. Um, a lot of quick tags, uh, to show the camaraderie. Um, and we'll see if they can finish the job. Backstage, Sean Mooney once again with the Hulkamaniacs. Wonder who's on this team. Great promo from all members of the team. Um, everyone cuts a good, quick promo. Um, Hulk Hogan says they're dedicating their victory to everyone around the world, especially the men and women of the armed forces and who are fighting in the Middle East. Hogan then tells President Bush that if he needs some extra heavy artillery, once they are done with their match, they will gladly volunteer their services. He then tells Saddam Hussein, What you gonna do when my team of survivors and all of these Hulkamaniacs run wild on you? Um, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, kind of mocking him. Um, but when I originally watched this, it... I wanted to run through a brick wall. Like, um, this is peak Hulk Hogan promo here. Um, just killing it, knocking it out of the park. Um, so we will transition to the match, uh, which is the Natural Disasters, captained by Earthquake, um, accompanied by the World's Strongest Man, Dino Bravo, Haku, and the Barbarian, as their team is accompanied by Jimmy Hart and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, Taking on the Hulkamaniacs, which is Team Captain Hulk Hogan, Tugboat, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and the Big Boss Man. I know that Earthquake was in the ring, but I'm sure there was an earthquake when Hulk Hogan's music hit and the crowd just came absolutely unglued. Um, to the match we go, Duggan and Haku starting this thing off. And Duggan gets a USA chant going early. This is a slugfest to start. Then Duggan gets a trio of clotheslines to connect. Haku tags in Bravo, which starts all the heels getting their shots in. Duggan would eventually tag Bossman in, and he gets to work on Haku. Not for long, though. Haku does get a dropkick. Um, Haku off of the ropes. Bossman catches him. With a boss man slam out of nowhere to eliminate Haku. So the Hulkamaniacs now have a one member advantage. Barbarian jumps right in and gets to work, but boss man hits a big boot. Heenan on the apron now, boss man runs his head into the ring post. Barbarian to the second rope and misses with an elbow. Duggan tagged in and hits a big back body drop. Earthquake tags in. And takes a large advantage as none of Duggan's offense is working. Jimmy Hart pulls the top rope down, causing Duggan to fall to the floor. He then grabs his 2x4, chases Jimmy Hart, and when he gets him into the ring, he then hits Earthquake with the 2x4, causing himself to be disqualified. Um, so that has evened up the playing field with three members apiece. Hulk Hogan taking on the entire team now. 
uh, calling for a slam on Earthquake and gets it. Earthquake eventually hits a power slam and tags in Bravo, um, taunting the fans. It does come back to bite him. Hogan gets him with a small package and eliminates him. So now the Hulkamaniacs have a one-person advantage once again. Uh, Bossman now with rapid punches to Earthquake. Bossman to the top rope for a crossbody. Earthquake catches him. But Hogan pushes Bossman uh, to topple everyone over, but it's only good for a near fall. Bossman off the ropes. Barbarian kicks him in the back. And Earthquake delivers two big elbow drops to the back of his neck to eliminate him. And that will even up the match at two participants on each team. Hogan in connects with a big boot immediately. Hogan trying to clothesline Earthquake, but to no avail. He tries to connect with another scoop slam, but Earthquake just falls on him. Earthquake misses with a splash, which leads to Tugboat getting the hot tag. Tugboat clotheslines him, and as Earthquake is leaning against the ropes, Hogan just pulls him out from underneath the ropes. We now have a brawl on the outside between Earthquake and Tugboat, which causes them both to be counted out. Um, so now we are legitimately down to just Hulk Hogan and the Barbarian. If it's not clear at this point who's going to win, I don't really know what to tell you. I guess wait a minute and I will get to the finish. Um, Barbarian connects with a pile driver, then they take each other out with a double clothesline. Both men to a vertical base. Big boot from the Barbarian sends Hogan to the mat. Barbarian now to the top rope, connects with a clothesline. Um, this is it. Hogan's hulking up. We get the finger wag, uh, the big boot, and the atomic leg drop to eliminate the Barbarian and win, making Hulk Hogan the sole survivor. Um, I'm giving this a one count. Um, it's not much to give you here, honestly. Um, it was good for what it was. If Hogan was on one side, of course, you knew he would be at the end. I still think it's kind of silly to get yourself disqualified in a match like this, but what do I know? Um, directly focusing this on Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Um, it's not your team. You're not the captain. You are a part of a four-man team, and you get yourself disqualified. Um, just because reasons? Um, but fun fact for this match, um, Haku was actually a replacement for Ravishing Rick Rude, who left the company over a pay dispute. Mean Gene Ogerland is now joined by Macho King Randy Savage. Um, Savage, who is not on the card, says that if Gene doesn't know that he will eventually win the WWF Championship, then he's the biggest turkey of all. It's right here where you start to notice um, people calling each other turkeys and making Thanksgiving and turkey references a lot more. Um, Macho King then says that the Ultimate Warrior will be the biggest turkey when he loses the title. This would lead to the career-ending match at WrestleMania 7, which unfortunately Savage would lose, but we would get one of the most emotional moments um, in professional wrestling history. Um at the conclusion of that match. Um, but, like all professional wrestling retirements, it did not last. 
on to our next match. We do not get a backstage interview for this. Um, we get the Alliance, uh, captained by Nikolai Volkov, uh, Tito Santana, and the Bushwhackers, Luke and Butch, taking on the Mercenaries, uh, Captain Sergeant Slaughter, Boris Zukov, and the Orient Express, uh, Sato and Tanaka. And they are being accompanied to the ring by General Adnan and Mr. Fuji. Um, something just makes me stop and wonder what they were thinking when they had a team called the Alliance um, full of kayfabe foreigners um, come out to the ring to Stars and Stripes Forever, uh, which will eventually be Lex Luger's theme uh, in a couple years. You have the Russian Volkov, um, Tito Santana, who's being billed um, from, from Mexico, um, and then you have the Bushwhackers, obviously, from New Zealand. Um, so it just makes you stop and wonder. Um, but Mean Gene cuts off the mercenaries on their way to the ring. Uh, they all have matching camo face paint. Um, he tells Sergeant Slaughter specifically that um, the armed forces find him and his team all despicable. Sergeant Slaughter says he only salutes one flag, and it's the Iraqi flag. He says that him and his team enjoyed a fully trimmed turkey dinner while the soldiers in Saudi Arabia are enjoying a hot turkey sandwich from a ration kit. And I tell you what, um, the booze in that place were absolutely deafening. Um, props to Sergeant Slaughter um, for taking on this character role. But to start the match, it's hot and quick. Um... The Bushwhackers taking turn with Boris until they tag in Tito, connects with a forearm, and eliminates him. Uh, for three, the Alliance. Uh, Sato hits a crescent kick and then tags in Tanaka. He misses a super kick on Tito and hits Sato. Butch gets the hot tag, uses Luke's head as a battering ram. Uh, he hits Sato and pins him to eliminate him. Um... The only reason that's really strange for me is because um, Tanaka was the legal man. So, uh, we'll just keep rolling with it. <laughs> um, the Alliance has a two-man advantage uh, moving forward in the match. Tanaka misses a diving headbutt and Butch tags in Tito. Tito hits yet another flying forearm and eliminates him. So, now uh, we have Sergeant Slaughter versus the entire team of the Alliance. Uh Nikolai Volkov gets the tag, and he is a um, house of fire. Eh, it's slow, plotting. Um, he has all the grunts to go with it, though. Um, this is Grandmasters of Wrestling-level grunts. Um, but a big clothesline from Sergeant Slaughter puts some water on the fire. Slaughter rams Volkov's head into the turnbuckle, Bushwhacker-style. Volkov off the ropes. Sergeant Slaughter connects with a dropkick, lands a standard elbow, and eliminates Nikolai Volkov. So, um, he has cut that lead down to two. Butch in now trying to take it to Slaughter. Luke joins in. We get a double scoop slam and a double clothesline, both for a near fall. Uh, Luke to the top goes for a splash, but Sergeant Slaughter gets the knees up. A gut buster would then eliminate Luke. Um, Butch immediately jumps on 
Slaughter with right hands. He would whip Butch into the corner, catches him with a clothesline, and now this insurmountable lead is now down to a one-on-one contest uh, between Sergeant Slaughter and Tito Santana. Tito wastes no time drop-kicking him into the corner. Uh, Tito with a forearm from the top rope for a near fall. Slaughter connects with a neckbreaker, then a backbreaker. Slaughter throws Tito into the ref, but Tito hits a flying forearm. Adnan comes in the ring and hits Tito with the flag in the back of the neck. Slaughter locks in the camel clutch, thinks he's won, celebrating that way at least. It is announced that Sergeant Slaughter was disqualified, and the sole survivor of this contest is Tito Santana. Um, I'm going to be a little harsher on this one. It's a half count for me. Um, not the best in-ring work, uh, but the greatest solely for the in-ring work of Tito Santana in the amount of heat that heel Sergeant Slaughter got. Um, having the Bushwhackers... Um, and Nikolai Volkov in the ring again reminded me of Heroes of Wrestling way too much. Um, another fun fact, um, Boris Zukov was a replacement for Akeem, the African Dream, also known as the One Man Gang, who left the company the month before and would eventually find his way to WCW. Sean Mooney backstage with the surviving heel team. Rick Martel makes note that they are the only team in history to sweep their opponents. Ted DiBiase says that Tito Santana is in the right place, just at the wrong time, saying that there's still some bad blood between Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior from their match at WrestleMania 6. We kick it to Mean Gene, who is next to the giant egg that's about to hatch. Um, Gene with the infamous line regarding what's in the egg. A dinosaur, a rabbit, balloons... Is it the Playmate of the Month? Who knows? Um, upon laying eyes on this creature, the crowd is dead silent until you start to booze. You start to hear the booze pick up louder and louder, and then right back to silence. Um, said creature is known as the Gobbledygooker, who um, the, the individual playing the Gooker is Hector Guerrero. This is a segment that um, I understand the goal of it was to get some separation between the last match, um, giving everybody a nice break, and then get to the main event. Um, but this went on for a long time. I actually skipped through it. This is, and it might have been because it was my first review. I didn't skip through Heroes of Wrestling. Like, there were points where I wanted to. This, I couldn't sit and watch through. Um, the gobbledygooker would drag Gene Okerlund to the ring, and they just dance and dance and pander the crowd and dance some more. Um, glad that's over. Um, we kick it back to Sean Mooney, who is now with the surviving face team. Hulk Hogan says they're not worried about the odds. Tito Santana calls the opposing team turkeys. And they are here for one reason only, and that is to survive the grand finale. So our grand finale ultimate survivor match. Um, it is a five-on-three Survivor Series match. Um, the heel team composed of Rick Martel, Hercules, Paul Roma, the Warlord, and Ted DiBiase taking on 
the trio of Hulk Hogan, Tito Santana, and the Ultimate Warrior. Um, this match starts right off the bat. Um, Hogan punches Warlord in the face. Tito hits a flying forearm and eliminates him. Um, so the faces have already cut the heels lead. Roma on Tito quickly with a big power slam. Tags in DiBiase. Um, he hits a suplex for a near fall. Tito goes for the forearm again. DiBiase ducks out of the way. Um, Tito off the ropes. DiBiase catches him, hot shots him, and eliminates him. Um, so the heels have regained their two um, competitor advantage. Hogan in now gets some quick offense on DiBiase, but he is cut down by a clothesline. Hercules gets the tag and lands a bad-looking clothesline? I, I struggle to call it a clothesline because it was closer to a shoulder tackle than anything. Um, but he tags Roma back in, who hits an axe handle from the top. Martell in now, um, going straight for the lower back. And they go out of their way on commentary to make note of it. They're going for the kidneys and the lower back. And then Hercules gets tagged in and doesn't pay attention to anything. It's just punches and punches and punches. Um, oh, it, it, it's, it, that part is hard to watch. Um, but DiBiase's back in. Um, double axe handle from the second rope. Hercules back in, puts Hulk on the top rope. Hercules tags Roma, lands their powerplex. Hogan kicks right out, starts to Hulk up. He clotheslines Roma to eliminate him, and they only have a one competitor advantage now. Martel trying to get the jump on Hogan, but Hogan would make the hot tag to the Warrior. Scoop slam and a face buster from Warrior. Tag right back to Hogan. Hogan with a big boot and a boxed clothesline that sends Martel to the floor. Um... You see him kind of um, jogging, I guess you could say, down the ramp to the back, holding his face. Um, that results in him being counted out. So now we are all even now at two members apiece. DiBiase and Hogan now going at it. Hogan connects with a clothesline in the corner, sends DiBiase cowering. Um, Hogan then connects with a big boot and a leg drop to eliminate him. So now we have Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior versus Hercules. Um, <laughs> I just I just say Hercules, and it's kind of a joke at this point in my eyes. Um, Hogan connects to uh, tags in the the Ultimate Warrior. Warrior connects with two clotheslines, a big old running clothesline, and a splash to eliminate him and win the sole survivors for the evening. Uh, WWF Heavyweight Champion, The Ultimate Warrior, and Hulk Hogan. It's a one count for me. Um, I thought it was good for what it was. Um, it was quick, but since everyone already wrestled early in the night, I understand. Um, obviously, these two were going over, whether it was with Tito Santana or not. Watching Hercules now twice in the same review, it's painful. Um... But him aside, this was a fine way to send fans home happy. My final grade for Survivor Series 1990 is three and a half out of five stars. Um, I'm giving the Ric Flair Award to the Dream Team versus the Million Dollar Team. Um, and the Rooster Award 
if you didn't guess. It's going to the gobbledygooker segment. Aside from that and the Alliance versus the Mercenaries match, um, the rest of the show was actually pretty good. Um, some of the eliminations didn't make sense, um, but you have to give the show credit um, for embracing the Survivor Series gimmick and the Ultimate Survivor Grand Finale. Um, I also like that there were two referees involved in each match. Um, it seemed like there was more attention paid to what was going on um, around the match itself. Um, but top to bottom, solid card. Um, very enjoyable. Um, I do have to make a special note here about The Undertaker's debut. Um, we're now here in 2020, and we are still talking about this moment. Um, while he wasn't the sole survivor of his team, he was portrayed as powerful, menacing, and destructive. He was a monster, and this particular platform did its job. Um, and we're coming up on this year's Survivor Series where we are paying tribute to The Undertaker. Um, so, it just, it just goes to show you that even a small, you know, five to seven minute debut on, on, on a pay-per-view... Take it and run, run with it, and be and be successful, and that's what the Undertaker has done over the course of his career. Those are my thoughts on Survivor Series 1990. What did you think of the event? Leave your thoughts in the comments below. Tune in to watch Wrestlecast live every Monday and Thursday on Facebook and YouTube, and you can even listen on the go on Apple Podcast. On YouTube, check out Creative Control, and still working on. Um, getting the Do Your Darn Homework segment um, to air. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and follow Podcast World Order on all social media platforms. If you like what we're doing and you'd like to support us, you can find us on Kofi at the link in the description box below. Also, brand new, um, you can check us out at Zazzle. That link will also be in the description below um, to get... Um, official Podcast World Order memorabilia and t-shirts. For the next episode, um, with, with AEW very recently incorporating um, the NWA Women's um, Championship into their weekly programming, um, I thought that was actually a good gesture. So um, to reward that, I guess you could say, um, I'll be taking a look at NWA's 70th anniversary show from 2018. From everyone here at Podcast World Order, thank you for watching. And remember, at the end of the day, it's referee's discretion. I'm Cod Sinclair, and we'll see you next time.